0: Hello, and welcome to episode 197 of the N Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and I am joined by our regular co hosts, Sylvia Wasnar and Rosalie, the little record girl. Hello, you two. Hello. Hello. All right, so we got a huge episode with a huge week of news, so let's jump right into our latest Nintendo news. Now in lieu of the full Nintendo Direct, we got a Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase focusing entirely on third-party releases coming out this year. Uh, Nintendo is choosing to leave what's coming out in Q3 and Q4 apart from Pokemon, uh, a mystery. They're playing at coy. Uh, so we'll just go through that and everything that was announced because there's quite a bit of it. First up was Monster Hunter Rise, the Sunbreak DLC, because, you know, they haven't been advertising that in every direct for the past year. (laughs) But we got more of it since it released later the same day, I think. I I wasn't keeping track, Uh, but it's out now. You can get it if you like. And they've announced that it's going to have a number of free title updates over the coming year. Uh, The first free title update will be out in August and will include the monsters Seething Basil Juice and Lucent Kuga. There will be another free title update in Q3 that has new rare species and subspecies added and a third one in Q4 that will have, quote, several monsters. And there will be additional free title updates in 2023 and there's a demo out for it now. Now, Andy... Sylvie and myself all played Monster Hunter Rise last year We It was a highlight of the year for us last year, I think We all enjoyed it, we all recommended it And all three of us are not getting this DLC Sylvie, why is that? It's just a
1: huge commitment Um, mm-hmm. I know how much time I put into the original game, the base game Just with everything else that I'm currently playing I don't know if I can spend... It's $60 here, which is... wow quite pricey games usually released around 80 so it's probably a substantial dlc i'll probably love it i will get it at some point just right now it i can't make it the only game that i play
0: <laughs> yeah i'm kind of in the same boat uh i just finished playing xenoblade chronicles 2 which was a huge commitment unto itself <laughs> now i'm I'm trying to get back to into Elden ring to you know hopefully finish that this year Dark Souls and Monster Hunter are actually pretty similar games, really, Uh, so there's that too where I I don't want to burn myself out on them. I did finish Monster Hunter Rise, I I reached the credits, but I still think that I have more to do before I can even start the DLC, because there is a... Certain point of the end game you have to reach before you can do the DLC, and I don't think I'm actually at that point yet. So uh, even if I did get it, I wouldn't be ready to actually start it. I really like to look at this DLC. I really liked Monster Hunter Rise. I just I don't have time for it right now, and hopefully that's not the case with too many people because Monster Hunter Rise launching as a, a timed exclusive for Switch was a pretty big deal, especially considering third parties are pretty reluctant to develop games specifically for the switch mostly what we get from them is ports so if the dlc doesn't do well i'm concerned what that might do to the relationship between capcom and and nintendo as far as future monster hunter games go yeah i mean i haven't even seen people
1: talking about this on twitter normally mm. well when the original game came out there was lots of screenshots and captures on my timeline this has been out for like five days now and i don't think i've seen a single person talk about it so that's a little worrying
2: are are people still favoring the one that came out before world over this one uh, maybe that's the only one that I've i haven't heard about
0: yet. world in years nobody talks about that game anymore
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah world is good but i feel like rise is better just in terms of quality of life uh-huh. features
0: just an opinion <laughs> <laughs> all right next up was announced uh, near automata the end of yorha edition is going to get a switch port and that'll be out october 6th this game came out just like a week before breath of the wild came out i think <laughs> there are people out there who swear by this game they call it the best game ever made and i'm like you know breath of the wild came out like the next day right (laughs) i've just never been particularly interested in this game partly because it's made by platinum and the only platinum game i've ever really liked is bayonetta 2 i did pre-order this i'm gonna finally play it on switch but i don't know i I i'm not any more interested in it than i was before i'm just i'm just doing it because it's on switch now so i can talk about it for the podcast that's that's literally the only reason i'm getting it (laughs) were either of you excited for this announcement
2: um i will add i was a late bloomer to this game as well i have a lot of friends who are hardcore near fans like that's like their life so i always had someone going oh you need to play you need to play like in my ear all times. so i think i finally played it end of last year or start of this year I can't really remember and I was blown away it's very is it it's Yoko Taro I think that's the guy that's why it's so yeah. good and he's also doing the new Final Fantasy which actually gets me really excited They people hype it up for a reason my only worry is how it's going to uh run on the Switch <laughs> because even I I played it on the PS4 and even then I was like wow I really wish I was playing this on a PS5 or something higher end because it's it's absolutely beautiful but it i just feel like some of that might be lost on the switch
0: it's 1080p 30 fps docked which is kind of the standard i i thought the trailer looked fine but I I also don't did, yeah. have the visual standards other people have. The game is 1080p, 30 FPS. I'm perfectly fine with that, but there are some people out there who are like, 60 FPS, or it's bad. Like, whatever.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I, gr- I grew up in the UK where we had, like, uh, PS1 games, and apparently that's, like, the worst thing in the world, and I can still play them, and I'm like, uh, it's just, I don't see any issue. So I, I I'm not too into that. I just worry there might be some, like... I don't know. I just um, I saw a funny tweet someone did where it's like near announced on the Switch and it was just a screenshot but it was all pixelated and I was like <laughs> ah that's clever. Um, but no, I'm glad if someone only has a Switch, I am really glad that it's coming because I feel like more people should have the opportunity to play it. I'm a bit worried about the price point because it's been out for so long that the game of the year edition on the PS4 here, brand new, can be <laughs> twelve pounds. And if this is going to be like a fifty-pound Switch game, I think that's really not okay and a bit gross. <laughs> it's pretty
0: standard for Switch ports, so <laughs> yeah, I don't even blink at that anymore.
2: <laughs> oh no, I just I, I I like I'm a huge thing for like that games should be for everyone, even if you're like working class or middle class. They should be accessible to you. So when old older ports come out for a new thing that's new to them, I still think they should be priced at something that's reasonable. But again, I'm just glad people can experience it. It's very good.
1: On the um, Australian eShop, it's fifty five dollars.
0: I think it's forty here in the US.
1: Okay.
2: Okay, so that's still not at the higher end. So that's no, it's
0: it's a, a mid range game. Lot. It's cheap for a AAA
1: release. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to play this game so many times. Um, tried to play it on PC, but the PC port's really bad and it does not function properly. Oh. Uh, They've tried to fix it, I think it's been fixed since, um, but still, that kind of soured me on trying to play it on PC. I've been holding off because uh, I had a friend when I used to write for Vux.net, he said, you know, we should probably expect a a Neo Automata um, port soon, (laughs) and it just didn't happen. Uh That was like five years ago. (laughs) <laughs> and I just <laughs> mentally have been holding off because he said that. So now that it's finally here,
0: maybe I'll finally play through it.
2: <sighs> Yay! Yeah.
0: Oh, I just hope Bayonetta three gets announced and just completely buries this game. It's like who cares about that? <laughs> Let's play Bayonetta three.
2: <laughs> Why not both? Oh, I will play both. both. I just I won't care about one of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I played Nier Automata and Bayonetta three. I played Nier Automata. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next announcement was Lorelei and the Laser Eyes, which is a new game from the publisher Annapurna Interactive that specializes in weird narrative games. When this trailer started, I thought for sure this was a Suda51 game. It's not, but it looks like one. (laughs) Did this make an impression on either (laughs) of you? Not particularly. Yeah. No, I
2: kind of zoomed out a bit sometimes when you see lots of games that look like we're a quirky indie game it's like oh again (laughs) (laughs) which sounds bad but some like when you tune into something like this it's more the kind of you know it's more the monster hunters and the things that you're kind of looking out for i thought this would maybe be something that would be on the indie showcase or something it is strange
0: annapurna interactive is usually in the indie stuff but this one landed here it does look like it's got much higher production values than the than the standard Annapurna game and they've become pretty big uh, since they started so maybe they're just making that leap into the next the next A designation so good for them next up was Super Bomberman R2 Super Bomberman R was one of the launch titles for Switch and I I don't think one of the more successful ones Uh, any bomberman fans on the show no sorry
2: (laughs) i i liked it as Mm -hmm. a kid um i have some nostalgia for it i didn't play the one uh, the one that came out previously just called r and the servers i think are closed now anyway so um i have some nostalgia for it but not enough to like buy every new game that comes out because they're all very very similar
0: like uh, I had Wario Blast on the Game Boy. That was Bomberman, but you played as Wario. That was a good game and Bomberman 64 was all right, mm. but I have just never really been too interested in in other releases in the series. Yeah. Uh, if you are a Bomberman fan, there is another game coming out which is always nice and uh it's not a Bomberman 0 reboot disaster either, so <laughs> something to be excited for at least. <laughs> Next up was Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, uh, which they said has 10 games in it. It's actually six because a lot of those games that they are saying are 10 games are actually uh, Pokemon style differentiations between the same numbered title. Uh, but still, that's a lot of Mega Man Battle Network. I only played the first game in this series, but I did really like it, and I, I liked it enough that I actually played it multiple times. So I would be very interested in actually getting this and playing the rest of the series, you know, slowly over over the course of a couple of years. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, this this is a pre-order mm-hmm. for me because it's my favorite, like, version of Mega Man. I love the anime that was out at a similar time as well. Um, and it's really nice to see, like, Game Boy Advance collections mm-hmm. come out because there was the Castlevania one. As well Highlighted before, last year. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I hope this is like a new... Yeah, I hope this is a new trend. But either way, like this is the Mega Man collection I was waiting for, so I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. Again, I've only played the first like two, so it'll be nice to actually like experience more over a period of time because I remember them being quite long. Yeah, if you've
0: not <laughs> played the Battle Network series, it's it's more of an RPG, although it's got very unusual mechanics. It's set in a world where everything is connected to the internet, and that creates problems because there's you know, evil people out there wanting to use the internet to cause problems. So when you're, <laughs> even your oven is connected to the internet, a virus can get in there and start a fire in your house. But uh, there's a bunch of kids running around who have their own, like, little personal virtual assistants, I guess, uh, that can jack into all of these internet-connected items and fight inside of them and, you know, the main character naturally has one based on Mega Man and other characters have, you know, there's Roll, there's Rockman, all the familiar, or uh, not Rockman, Man, uh, Gutsman, all all the familiar Mega Man characters and you fight the familiar Mega Man villains, but it's set in this world based on a, a more modern idea of the internet and you draw cards that determine what your abilities you can use and you fight in this arena that's two three by three grids you're standing on one grid your opponents are standing on the other and you move around in real time you can dodge attacks as they come at you it it almost becomes a bullet hell game at times and when your power meter fills up then you can use one of the cards that you've drawn in your hand it's a really cool game i really liked it i really recommend it just based off the first one uh sylvie do you have any experience with this series not at all sorry yeah that sound interesting at all to you that pitch there Not really. I know what it's all about, and it just (laughs) isn't my thing. Okay, that's fair enough. But two of us at least are excited to hear about this, and I think we'll both be getting it. Mm. Uh, Pac-Man World Repack is going to be out August 26th. It's a remake of Pac-Man World, and I I racked my brain, and I could not remember when Pac-Man World came out. I want to say it was a GameCube slash PS2 release, uh, but personally, I, I find any version of Pac-Man that has legs and arms just incredibly off-putting. So <laughs> I think that's why I memory hold this game. <laughs> uh, any Pac-Man World fans on the show? Not here. Yeah.
2: No, uh, I didn't even grow up with Pac-Man. <laughs> I grew up with this little this little machine my mom had from the '80s, and it was like a bootleg uh, Pac-Man. It was called Yeah. March-On. There were a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> and we still have it. Um, so, no. <laughs> I saw a lot of hype for this on my wow. on my Twitter feed. So I was like, wow, there's lots of Pac-Man fans that have just come out of nowhere. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, best of luck to them. It doesn't sound like they'll be getting much support from us. Uh, Blanc <laughs> is out in February next year as a console exclusive. It's about a white fawn and a black wolf cub who have to work together to get somewhere, do something. Uh, this game reminded me a lot of Journey, uh, especially the way the characters move through the environment. There's a, a scene where they're gliding down a snow drift, the way you glide down the sand dunes in Journey, and it's got drop-in, drop-out seamless internet multiplayer, it sounded like, and, and it's told completely without dialogue or exposition or text of any kind, so Totally reminded me of Journey. Did this game look interesting to either of you? Uh,
2: It wasn't originally, but now you mentioned the (laughs) Journey thing, which is one of my favorite games in the world. I'm like, oh. (laughs) I literally have a little um, Journey figure on my desk, like angled towards the screen right now. So now I'm intrigued. You sell it better to me (laughs) me than Nintendo did. It looks interesting.
1: Uh, It just reminds me of that other game. It was one of the uh, indie directs where... I can't remember which animal it was I want to say fox but you're trying to make your way through a through the game with your cubs mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I know the one you're talking about yeah I can't remember the name of it it's supposed to be out in a couple of months I also can't remember the name of it but <laughs> <laughs> I think it was in the first indie Direct of the year somebody wants to go back and listen to that episode we we talked about it we all thought it looked good um, it looks good but it looks mm-hmm. like it's going to be really sad oh I'm sure yeah uh, and I don't want to play sad games <laughs> Aside from, aside from Journey, it also <laughs> reminded me of the Fox and the Hound, and uh, I, I think we all know how that ends. Uh-huh. Not well. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But the game looks gorgeous.
1: The art style is so striking. I was very impressed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very excellent use of color. I thought this was, you know, visually at least a highlight of this mini-partner showcase, whatever that means. Let's not also forget that the journey developers have released a game called sky the children of light it's a free-to-play game it is on switch and it is the semi-sequel to journey so you know if you haven't played that yet you might want to take a look at that that might give you an idea of how much you might enjoy blunk uh, next up a uh, big announcement for switch a uh, big cult release a uh, return to monkey island will be out sometime in the next six months uh, Monkey Island series, of course, you know, classic scum style adventure games f- from the PC in the 90s. Uh, this ignores everything after the second game, I believe, because they've got the original developer back. He's m- making this game himself, and this is the sequel that he wanted to make but couldn't. Rosalie, I believe you're a Monkey Island fan. Were you excited about yeah, am- this?
2: Yeah, I grew up with all the kind of LucasArts point and click hero, mm-hmm. like uh, Grim Fandango and things like that. So uh, my, I am really excited about this. Um, my mother in law is actually like the biggest Monkey Island fan ever, and wow. she's actually going to buy a Switch just for this. Wow. I think it is coming out for other things, but she wants to experience it that way. So I'm kind of excited when it comes out because I'm going to have someone to like properly talk to in depth about it. But no, I'm really excited. I wasn't a huge fan of the art style they're going for. But then yeah. I wasn't also going to then harass the developers because of it, like some people have been doing. Yeah, um, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Stop being but, jerks to developers because they've made a creative choice about the game that they're goddamn making, not you. Anyway. Yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, um, it just, I'm just glad that it's got like the original guy behind it. I think yeah. that's always a good sign. Um, I'm sad he's not posting more updates about it, um, but... It means I can go in with like a total fresh, like, oh, And the trailer did say they're going to reveal what the secret of Monkey Island is, which I'd like to find my <laughs> all these years later.
0: <laughs> well, you know, th- this is a game that, this is a series that does not take itself seriously. So we probably yeah. shouldn't get too <laughs> excited about the secret of Monkey Island is going to be. True. <laughs> been, uh, we do know for certain that they're going to undo the original secret of Monkey Island, which is that it was a theme park with uh, some children playing (laughs) make-believe in it Uh, i just spoiled like the third game i think but like i said that game is being rendered out of continuity now this this game is ignoring Mm -hmm. that game so oh well Uh, the the scum games of that era they they had a very distinct look especially the monkey island games and the the ones i was more familiar with was like the dig and indiana jones and the fate of atlantis i love those games so i was a little disappointed to see that this game is kind of going off in its own direction visually compared to like thimbleweed park which very faithfully Mm -hmm. recreates the visual style of the old scum games and if I could choose, I would rather have a game in that style. But, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to flood the developer's blog with trolling and flames and hate. That's that's just ridiculous. Why why do people do that? Why are people like this? This, this is why we can't have nice things. The same thing happened to Cory Barlog, Corey Barlog and uh, God of War yeah. Ragnarok, which is just, just people. You need to stop. I mean... You're in a golden age of gaming right now. Seriously. You have Mm -hmm. no idea how many good games come out every week now where we had to wait months at a time to get this kind of stuff in the 90s. And it's all cheaper than it's ever been. And Epic Game Store gives away a free game every week. You people need to chill out. You have no (laughs) idea how good you have it, all you kids out there. Uh, Anyway.
2: we had to buy like five pound magazines to get tiny pixelated screenshots <laughs> of games that were totally made up in the end <laughs> those were the taste
0: so next up mario plus rabbits sparks of hope mario plus rabbits was a uh, an unusual and unexpected mm. uh but nevertheless a highlight of the launch year of the switch the sequel is finally going to be out october 20th are we excited for this I want it to be, but it's
1: an Ubisoft title, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, i have yeah, talked about it before. Yeah,
0: there's that.
2: Does that. Is Ubisoft, are you um, not supporting Ubisoft like how I'm not supporting Activision Blizzard for that kind of. Yeah,
1: um, Activision Blizzard and yeah. Ubisoft for me. Sorry to make it political. Yeah, that's completely but, understandable. Um...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everything's no, I think political. That's under- Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I know, I think that's understandable. I think I I mentioned that I wasn't, I was like a bit annoyed about Overwatch and people being excited for it as well, like in the last episode, so.
1: Yeah, and it is a shame because this game looks like a lot of fun. The developers look like they've got, they're putting a lot of passion into this. It looks like a huge improvement over the original, and the original was already pretty good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just uh, can't support it, unfortunately.
0: There's a tenuous balance, you know, because. There are developers who are very talented, and very hardworking, and they are good people who are making these games and you want to support them. But then the company itself is just not good. It's easy to make the choice to just not support the developer because of the, of the company that does bad things, even though the developer deserves support. And, you know, one way you can do that is by not harassing them online. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you said, there's plenty of
1: games out there to play. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to push my beliefs on anyone and get them to boycott either. You know, this is a personal decision. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a lot of resources out there about what Ubisoft have been doing. Um, NFT-wise, sexual harassment-wise, and just how the leadership have
0: managed that. Uh, I won't go into it now, but, you know, it's all out there. And as for Overwatch, you know that's a free-to-play game, so download it and play it, but don't spend any money on it. That way, all you're doing is draining resources from Blizzard.
2: <laughs> I'd say technically, yeah, <laughs> but like the higher the player base they have, the more they're going to, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's you, you, you. It's like a per, it's a personal kind of choice thing, but um, and it's really hard. Our like. I my partner is obsessed with uh, World of Warcraft, so he had to like he just stopped enjoying it cold turkey. And we have books and figures of it everywhere, (laughs) and we've sold them all. Uh, So it's like it it can be hard when it's something like a studio or a piece of media that's really close to your heart. But it's it's like a yeah, it's a personal thing, and we all got to really respect each other's choices and things as well. I actually forgot about the Ubisoft thing, but I haven't bought anything from them for a while, so I'm like, oh yeah, this is the first
1: Ubisoft (laughs) thing I've been interested in a while, so. (laughs) Kind of lucky, there.
0: Well, we could talk about this all day, so uh, (laughs) it's not an important discussion, but uh, not what the podcast is focused on. So, Little Noah, Scion of Paradise. uh, I couldn't quite get a full understanding of this game. It, It might be like... A life sim, but with side-scrolling dungeons in between each section? That was that was the impression I got from it, but that might be entirely wrong. Uh, did this stand out to either of you? Do you have a better idea of what it is than I got from the trailer? I have no idea what it is. It
1: looked interesting, but it didn't look mm. like something I'd enjoy.
2: <laughs> I, I can't remember <laughs> it.
0: It was like a <laughs>
1: book that there's all the scribbles in it. And it's like on a desk. And you can draw things and erase them. No,
0: that's RPG time. The legend, oh, right? Well, then. Yeah. Okay. That... <laughs> then. So this game made no impression. Zero on impression. You. I thought See, this, this was it.
2: That's what I mean by lots of. Yeah, lots of games end up looking really similar. Oh my god! I was like, oh.
0: How embarrassing. (laughs) This was the side-scrolling game that has characters that kind of look like they were pulled from Bravely Default. I thought this was a Bravely Default game when I first saw it. Oh, that one. Uh... Yeah, I thought it was Bravely Default too. Oh my god. Well, that's out now if anybody cares to take a closer look at that. Uh, Railgrade is going to be out in Q3. That's a, a management sim where you set up uh, an increasingly convoluted network of trains to deliver resources uh, between a series of factories to rebuild a civilization. Uh, I I thought this looked cool. I I like management sims and and you know building networks of, of railways and conveyor belts and things like that. Uh, I I would probably would really enjoy Factorio. I just don't have anything I can play it on. Uh, Either of you, management sim fans? Not usually, but this one looked really cool.
2: Yeah, I quite fanci- fancied this one as well.
0: Wow, okay, that's surprising. I thought I would be alone on this one. <laughs> I just like trains, but, that's uh... all. <laughs> yeah, that's why <laughs> like, Trains yeah, are so... cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Papa Biden, please build more trains. Um, (laughs) Now, the game that (laughs) Sylvie thought we were talking about, RPG Time, The Legend of Right, is out August 18th. It's an RPG played entirely in the notebook of a budding uh, young game designer, and it's visually very impressive. It's all... Mm -hmm reminiscent of hand-drawn graphics, although I can't for say for sure if they are all hand-drawn graphics, but you explore the world by going between the pages of this notebook, and it looks like it's all diegetic, an interface, like everything you do in the game is all based on the tools that are there on the desktop, like it even looks like if I'm reading the trailer correctly, the, the music that plays is actually coming out of the phone that's sitting on the desktop beside the notebook it looks like a really cool idea there's another game that's coming out soon that that's very similar but it's a lot more meta uh, i've forgotten the title <laughs> but uh i'm actually excited to have two games like this where you know you play as an rpg in a desktop uh on an artist's desk that's a that's a great idea and I, i'm perfectly happy to play two different versions of that idea <laughs> yeah full of charm um
1: I think I might mm-hmm. wait on this one to see how people respond to it. The other one stood out to me because uh, I think it was James Turner, who's the illustrator on it.
2: Yeah. He designed
1: a mm-hmm. lot of Pokemon.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That other one, which we should probably find the name of if we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Well,
1: more on this one, It I I like that it looks like,
0: you know, the sort of thing that I would do instead of study in class. <laughs> i did that too when i was in middle school they gave us these like big pads of grid paper that we were supposed to be doing our math homework on all i did was draw maps for rpgs (laughs) that i made up (laughs) my friends and i had this thing we
1: called them war pages where we just did little stick figures having a a battle
0: on a giant page in the book (laughs) nice now the other game is, is called the plucky squire
2: that's it yeah
0: and and that one it looks like it goes in a lot more different places this one looks like it's an rpg just set in the notebook whereas in the plucky squire you start out in the book on the desktop but you also jump out of it oh okay and and yeah the plucky squire explores like the room of the artist and gets into new situations like there's one scene where they're playing a bullet hell game on a mug (laughs) it looks great uh That was not highlighted in this direct, but looks very similar to this game, and uh, I'm excited for both. Now, Sonic Frontiers. Um, (laughs) My my stance on Sonic is how many times do you have to touch the uh, hot stove before you realize it's going to burn you? Uh, (laughs) Do either of you have any hope this game is going to be any good? Because I don't.
2: Yeah, I'm a Sonic fan, and much to a lot of people's dismay that includes like classic Sonic and 3D Sonic wow Um, I know I'm sorry um, but I was excited for this until in this direct it said it was coming out in like the summer or like something it was soon and I was it's like Q4. oh yeah I thought everything they showed was like early <laughs> Um, and it's very kind of grey and washed out and yeah. part of what Sonic's good, ab- good about Sonic it's very, the world's very colourful and bright and it, it just it, it's very odd, I'm a bit worried I played the last main game Forces, I didn't get it on release, I played it much later and I did end up liking it uh i'm just yeah i'm a bit worried (laughs) i wasn't worried and now i'm worried
1: (laughs) what i understand about sonic is that they just haven't figured out how to make it work in 3d and when they get close they ignore all the lessons they've learned and just go in a different direction yeah
2: yeah
0: they've gotten close like there are some of the chase levels some of the the sonic slash shadow levels in sonic adventure 2 battle are actually pretty good unfortunately that's not what the game was the game also was a lot of you know the the other kind of levels which were not good (laughs) and and i've never played a a 3d sonic game that has a camera that's any good and this game also looks like its camera is terrible so i
2: i I will defend the other sonic levels because sonic avenger 2 is in like my top five favorite games of all time and that includes the ones where you hunt for the shards of the master emeralds um but i know i know um but I just wish they would make something. or oh, just port that to the Switch instead. That would that would the GameCube version. That would be a lot more exciting now. I think. Yeah, I, I'm like a Sonic fan. That even if they they release like ten bad games, I'm still I'm still there. <laughs> I'm still holding out hope. I'm surprised we haven't had Sonic Mania Two at this point. I'm sure they're working on it.
1: This yeah. one just looks like the Sega hired this man sort of Unreal Engine fan (laughs) creates mario in unreal engine 5 something it just doesn't look like there's any art direction
2: and it's a shame because an open world sonic could be a really cool thing i've seen some fan games and i'm like wow that's impressive and I wish they did, would do what they did with Mania maybe hired more like fans who seem to understand a lot more about Sonic sometimes than the actual developers do. But uh, we'll see. It might surprise everybody, but um, the fact that it's coming out sooner rather than later doesn't bode well for me. I'm worried.
0: <laughs> Next up, we had Disney Dreamlight Valley. Looks like it, they described it as a life sim, and it does look like there's some customization as far as the world and you building out you know where where people's houses are but uh the pitch from the game seems to be that you are this new resident in in dreamlight valley where all the disney characters live but they've all lost their memories so you have to help them relive their stories and it's like does anybody not know these characters stories at this (laughs) point Is, is this is this necessary or needed to I don't know. I I'd, I I am not immediately opposed to a Disney-style meta game, you know, exploring the totality of everything they own, which is everything at this point. But you know, just rehashing all their stories again, I I think they could do something much more interesting than that. That's what Kingdom yeah. Hearts is, isn't it? <laughs> who knows at this at point at least this one isn't a cloud version <laughs> but it is coming into early access september 6 what exactly that means they did not explain but there's going to be an early access game on the switch uh hopefully that is not like a pc early access game where the game isn't finished yet and you're just paying money to beta test it for them so live alive is going to be out july 22nd that's the uh hd 2d You know, Octopath Traveler style remake of a Super NES RPG that was never released outside of Japan, uh, but did get a fan translation as a ROM that kind of helped it to stay alive in the consciousness. So we're getting an official release of it now. Uh, Are either of you excited for a nice 16-bit era RPG instead of a current era 100-hour RPG?
2: Yeah, I I hadn't heard of it until it was first announced and it looks really cool. I know mm-hmm. it's going for that um the kind of the style where it's kind of like um, HD. They have the sprites. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was going to say. Um and maybe that's we've had too much of that lately, but I think it they've made it look really really smart. Um so I'm actually quite intrigued. I love old school, that kind of era GRPGs. So I'm assuming that I'll probably love it. So I wasn't going to get it, but now I'm probably going to
0: get it. <laughs> yeah, that's from like the golden era of uh, SquareSoft RPG yeah. design. That, that came out around the same time as Final Fantasy VI, uh, which yeah. personally I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, but I am perfectly happy to acknowledge everybody else loves it. So <laughs> uh, Chrono Trigger, you know, Secret of Mana, that era of you know, just classic Square Soft RPGs that just really they built a reputation on that endures to this day, and that's one of the ones that we never got until now. So that's out in two weeks, two and a half weeks. Totally, totally getting that. I'm very much looking forward to it. And there's a demo out for that now. Ooh. Now, Dorymon Story of Seasons, Friends of the Great Kingdom, which I believe is the sequel to the first Dorimon Story of Seasons games, which is a Story of season game starring the uh, Japanese character Dorimon and its related characters. Uh, I think if anybody's going to be into this one, it's it's going to be Rosalie. <laughs> Are you excited for this?
2: Um, I didn't grow up with Dorymon. Hmm. Um, my, my childhood BFF did, so... I would go to her house and she'd have little like childhood toys of him everywhere, so I'm familiar all- with him. It does look really cute. I think it's one of those ones that I'll pick up if it's on sale. It's not something I'm going to go out day one and spend a lot of hmm. money on. There was a game that was really similar that was based on the Shin-chan anime <laughs> um, that I, th- I believe is finally going to get localized over here and be on the Switch. That would be my preferred kind of version of this game because they look really, really, really similar. Um, but yeah, it's not something I'm, because Doramon's like a ch- for children when it comes to comes to like anime and stuff. So I don't think I'm like the target demographic of it. <laughs> but it does look really, really cute, and I've heard actually really good things about the previous game from other people. I know people like made American um, Switch accounts just so they could play it, because I think it didn't initially come out over here.
0: The, the animation is, is really nice, especially for a Story of Seasons game, which um, can yeah. often look rather cheap. But th- they've really leaned into the art aesthetic of that series here, and it just really elevates what Story of Seasons is, but... I think yeah, we're too
2: old for this one. <laughs>
0: well, I don't want to assume I'm too old for anything. Like, there are plenty of things that I've watched that I'm too old for that I was like, oh, this is actually really good. I'll happily watch this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I-, I got plenty of farm sims I can play, which we'll, we'll circle back around to that near the end here. Yeah. Uh, Minecraft Legends is going to be out next year. Uh, it's a another Minecraft spinoff, but this one is a real-time strategy game. Sylvia, I believe you played Minecraft dungeons whatever that thing was called yeah Uh, yeah. the diablo 2 knockoff uh are you excited for legends it's got my interest i'm still not entirely sure what it is if it's like a Mm -hmm. rts or something Uh, it looks like you you play as a character who runs around on horseback and you have to fight off monsters invading from the the nether or whatever that purple area in minecraft is called, and you have to like yeah, you have to rally, like, all the animals to fight back, so, like, you're fighting all the demons with, like, an army of pigs, <laughs> it looks interesting, like, like, Minecraft Dungeons, I just thought, maybe, that just looks so derivative, I have no interest in playing that, but I actually looked at this, I was like, I could see myself enjoying this. i give it a shot, um, it'd probably come out in Game Pass, um, so... Yeah, that's true, <laughs> so lo- low risk for us to at least, <laughs> yeah. The base-building aspect of of an RTS, but applied to Minecraft, is just an interesting idea unto itself. So, uh, there's something here, I think. Uh, Dragon Quest Treasures, a spin-off of the Dragon Quest series, is going to be out December 9th. Another game that it's kind of hard to tell what exactly is going on here, but it, it looks like you get a team of Dragon Quest monsters with different abilities. And you go out into a sandbox and you hunt for treasure. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: It looks like it's one of the Dragon Quest Joker games. Like it might be oh, derived yeah. from that, yeah. but using the the characters from Dragon Quest Eleven. That's what the trailer looked like. And I really, the first Dragon Quest Joker game on the DS was one of like my favorite DS games back in the day. So yeah, it looks kind of cool. Um, a bit worried about the the still using. Um, midi for the music.
0: (laughs) I'm just... Every time there's a Dragon Quest game, it's the same music track. It's like...
2: (laughs) On a positive note, though, and this is maybe going to sound a bit dark, the composer of it was a very bad man. Yeah. (laughs) And and he's no longer... yeah he's no longer around oh i didn't so hear about can, that
0: like yeah it's not hyperbole to call the man a fascist like he was yes so <laughs> you
2: can now buy dragon quest games without that horrible feeling of guilt <laughs> and i'm hoping whoever i was hoping that the next game they came out with there would be um someone would take over as lead composer and do the orchestrated versions like first instead mm-hmm. of being a game of the year fancy edition that has music you can actually tolerate. Uh, but you can buy this without that added guilt. So that that was actually quite a nice realization when it was in the direct. Um, but I think it sounds like they've, they're still using some of the old um, MIDI tracks, so wow. you might still want to turn the audio off.
0: <laughs> it's not just the quality of the track. It's just they have been using this same recording Of the Mm -hmm. Dragon Quest theme song since the PlayStation 2. Every time a Dragon Quest game comes out, the title song is always this recording. I think a lot of that is because, like, the composer for Dragon Quest as we said was a uh uh, an intense person and was very Mm. controlling about the music like it was literally he was the only one who had uh the rights to even play the music live which is why we had nothing but midi recordings for the longest time so it might very well be a contract down somewhere that says you have to use this recording of this song in the games that are these games that are in development and you know once we're finally past the current slate of dragon quest games that this person didn't know were going to exist you know they might be outside that contract and we can finally get some original arrangements of the dragon quest music but anyway we, we've now talked about the music more than we've talked about the game <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Next up, the traditional sizzle reel Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes is out now. We talked about that at length in the last episode, so you can listen to that if you want. No Man's Sky has an October 7th release date. We also talked about that last episode, if you care to listen. A Plague Tale Requiem, the sequel to a Plague Tale, is getting a cloud version October 18th, but it's a cloud version, so it doesn't count. Moving on. And Captain <laughs> Velvet Meteor, The Jump Dimensions, is out July 28th. Did uh, uh, This was just kind of crammed into the sizzle reel, so I couldn't really tell what this game was. Did uh, either of you get super excited by captain velvet meteor remember it no (laughs) (laughs) well maybe they'll get a highlight in a future direct that better shows what the game is because unfortunately it was crammed in a sizzle reel with a bunch of crap we already knew about sorry (laughs) (laughs) next announcement was the portal companion collection which is out now we will be talking about that in a moment And this one, uh, of all the games announced in this Direct, this was the one that was my personal highlight. This is the game I am most interested in playing. Harvest Stella, which is a farm sim, you know, based, uh, a Rune Factory or a Stardew Valley style farm sim, but it's made by Square Enix with Final Fantasy level production values. I love that idea, especially because you know the Rune Factory, especially Rune Factory 5. That game... Looked cheap, it did. Uh, I'm very excited to play uh, one of these style games with uh, with a budget behind it, and I'm going to immediately turn to Rosalie and say, "I hope you feel the same way."
2: Yeah, uh, I like that it was like Stardew Valley, but with really pretty anime girls. <laughs> like, that's always a win for me. Um, it just looked really pretty and. Uh, did it say it was like an MMO specifically?
0: I don't think so. Well, I sure yes, hope I, not. I, I
2: think <laughs> I thought it had some like things you could do with friends, um, but it, yeah, it just looked really, really pretty. I actually wish the it wasn't at the right of the end, and it was more they had more to tell us about it. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. Anything that's Square Enix and there's nice character designs and anything when there's a farm simulator, I'm mm-hmm. you know I'm on that. I'm there. <laughs> well,
0: it's like you know Stardew Valley, I love Stardew Valley. I love the 16-bit mm-hmm. graphics. Like I have no complaints about them. But then you get something like Rune Factory, yeah, which is like the modern version of it. It's not a retro game. They are trying to make it contemporary, uh, but it just it just doesn't work for me. Like, I, I love the graphics in Rune Factory 4, which was a 3DS game that has also been ported to Switch. You know, that, that, that works because it, like, exists in an aesthetic era. Uh, but Rune Factory 5, the graphics, like I said, it just looks cheap to me. And uh, the animations look cheap. The the entire aesthetic of the game did not work for me. So I, I'm very excited to see Harvestella, which looks like a modern game, but in the style of stardew valley so i either want it to be totally retro or totally new not existing you know (laughs) somewhere in the middle you know banished there by by the budget and the budget they have to work with which is is unfortunate but that's just the reality of it even i'm excited for this one i have to say wow (laughs) it's amazing
1: what production value can do i just like the idea of having like the farm sim stuff and the going out and battling and discovering stuff to, mm-hmm. to help. Like, there's two parts to it. I like that sort of thing. Like, one of my favourite WiiWare titles was um, Crystal Chronicles, My Life is King.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, just, I love the idea of, like, building up a thing and using that to go out and get more resources and stuff to help you build up the thing to get more things to send out you know it's just a <laughs> cycle and it's really satisfying
0: it is the best gameplay loop which
2: <laughs> i was gonna say we might have to like fight over who talks about it when it comes out or, or like each person gets a little bit they can <laughs> go on about for we'll
0: fight we'll just have a nice discussion nice round table <laughs> since it sounds like all three of us are gonna play it yep <laughs> uh, last and probably the biggest announcement of the partner direct uh atlas is finally done asking us in surveys if they want this game if we want these ports they're finally taking yes for an answer persona 5 royal will be out october 21st Uh, there will be a physical version of that as well and persona 4 golden and persona 3 portable will be out sometime in the future at unrevealed dates those unfortunately will be digital only did we pop champagne when this was announced finally
2: Uh, it got leaked like just before so (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the the excitement was kind of (laughs) gone
0: nintendo in a typically nintendo move did not do this direct as a live stream broadcast they just posted it right to their youtube page and then atlas didn't even wait for people to watch the thing they just immediately at 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 the time the direct was published, they just posted that, oh yeah, we're putting the ports out finally. It's like, wow, <laughs> you are not letting us uh, build up the tension at all. <laughs> I
1: mean, for me, the excitement was kind of tempered by the fact that they announced this for Xbox and PC weeks ago.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And th- this was expected.
0: Yeah, I I knew if it was coming to Xbox, it was coming to Switch, too, because nobody in Japan owns a freaking Xbox, so (laughs) a a port to Xbox would be an an interesting use of resources uh, for a, a company mostly focused on the Japanese market and for games that are very much aimed at the Japanese market, whatever interest they might have globally aside from that so like once they said it was on xbox like oh yeah those are getting switch ports too i have no doubt and, and yeah you know we were right
2: yeah there was a there was a press release like emailed to people after the xbox showcase that said oh by the way it's also on the ps5 so you're like well <laughs> it's kind of given now isn't it that the switch is going to be on the switch too but it's good
1: yeah this, this announcement should have been exciting and it just felt annoying because it's like, yeah, we know. Yeah. You could have said this weeks ago. and I'm still happy. <laughs> it's just, they did it the worst way. They did it the most Atlas way possible.
0: That's the most anticlimactic yeah. way they could have announced this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, we been new. They've been announcing <laughs> announcements for like the last couple of months for the Persona 25th anniversary, I want to say. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And apparently this is
2: one of them. You can You can spend like 400, might have been... Five hundred dollars or something to get a Persona record player, and all it has is like stickers on it. Yep. <laughs> but it's good that it's. Um. I actually the Persona Five I played was the original one before mm-hmm. Royale was like a thing. Uh. So. I, I, but I haven't played Royale because Persona Five is really, 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 really oh, yeah. long. It's like a commitment. <laughs> Eighty
1: to a hundred hours. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: and I. I don't really. There's a lot of it that I love, but I just don't have the energy. <laughs> to and the sanity maybe to like put in to play again even if it's been like a couple it's been like a few years but the fact that I can play it portably exactly Exactly. yeah yeah, might make me want to play it because I can have something on in the background and there's a lot of there's like loads of added content and things that I really do need to experience um so that's cool um I kind of wish it came out a lot earlier
1: Uh, the good thing about Royal is a lot of the new content is actually worked into the stuff that you'll be replaying uh, some mm-hmm. of the dungeons are remixed. The oh. added story stuff is technically a third uh, semester, but there's a lot of lead up to it in the other two semesters.
2: Does does I've heard I've heard Morgana lets you do yep. more things before they're like go to sleep, which was like the most annoying thing <laughs> about the game. It's like no, I want to do more mini games and cool things. Um, so that's the thing I'm looking forward to.
1: There's new social links in Royal that if you want to do the, um, the ex- extra content, make sure that you get those maxed out before the end of the second semester. Otherwise, it won't unlock. Oh! I'm trying to say that in the least spoilery way possible. <laughs> 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 um, but it's also interesting that Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable, they're both... They, they were on PSP and PS Vita, and now they're on Switch. So it would come full circle.
2: <laughs> Vita is still my favourite it, handheld, despite being a Nintendo fan, but um, Vita road. It, is, it's, <laughs> it is it is good that, like, because not many people still have one. <laughs> I don't know many people, I think I don't know how many friends that also have a Vita and that still, like, they use on a day to day basis. So, it is really good. Persona fans are, you know, this is the perfect time to be a Persona fan or to become a new one. Yeah,
1: it's worth mentioning that these might be, might look like numbered sequels, but um. They're not that connected to each other. And if you've...
2: Yeah, it's like Final Fantasy. Sort of.
0: Yeah, which is good, because it, it, it sounds like they're releasing them in reverse order. They are. Which is... Yeah. I, I'm kind of worried about that, because uh, I'm worried if by the time Persona 3 Portable comes out, it's just going to feel old compared to 4 and 5. So, I'm... Well, the thing is, is that Persona 3 Portable,
1: because it was a PSP game... It's basically just a visual mm-hmm. novel.
0: Yeah, that's what I saw. I, I saw some video of it uh, in a Nintendo Life video where they were talking about all three of these ports. And Persona Three looks very still. <laughs> it's got a lot of still images. Like, and all when you're going through the world, you're not actually walking as the player character like you do in four and five you're just selecting an icon and like a door mm. it looks like a like a 90s point-and-click adventure th- game practically i'm a little i think the dungeons are like bird's eye oh wow i, I knew the old like the original persona games i, I knew those were first person but yeah 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 (laughs) anyway we'll see about persona 3 portable uh it, it might be persona 4 golden's one of my favorites yeah yep same hopefully persona 3 will be like it'll feel so old that it'll feel distinct and unique not just you know like like a i'm trying to think of the right word uh i'll just stick with old just just a, like an old version of persona 4 <laughs> but we'll find well, out does persona 3 portable let you
1: control teammates yeah because in persona 3 in persona 3 uh, fez which is the ps2 uh, golden or royal mm-hmm. um you couldn't
0: Yeah, that's a thing (laughs) in a lot of RPGs. I've never understood it. Dragon Quest used to do that too, where you couldn't actually control your party members and you just kind of had to hope they didn't do incredibly stupid things. (laughs) Which they did. (laughs) But that's exciting. uh, How do we feel overall about this partner showcase?
1: Give it a 7 out of 10, I -hmm. think. There was some good stuff in there, nothing that made me go, oh, wow, mind-blowing. But not like, oh, that was a bad direct. It was just
2: (laughs) good. Yeah, I think there's been at least one thing in it for, like, everybody, which is usually the case for Directs. Um, the Mega Man thing just made me really, really happy. So the minute that was announced, I was like, well, that's it. Good Direct. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Mega Man, Blanc, Return to Monkey Island, Harvest, oh, they all great. I probably would have been a lot more enthusiastic about this if the thing they closed on weren't things that we already kind of suspected was happening just, yeah. just by watching the industry. But, you know... As I often talk about now, for some reason, uh, not everybody is an enthusiast like we are. They're not actually, you know, constantly watching social media for these kind of things and, and seeing the clues and reading between the lines. I'm sure plenty of people watch this and were completely surprised by the Persona ports. They're probably thrilled. Now, do Jet Set Radio feature? Yes. Yes, we should do that. Did that indie Jet Set Radio game ever come out?
1: Not yet. Okay. No. I don't know when it's coming out.
0: Well, anyway, uh, that's the latest Nintendo news. Now let's quickly move on with what we played this week. <laughs> As was announced during the direct, uh, the Portal Companion Collection was going to be released the same day. Both Sylvie and I have gotten it. It's the ports of Portal One and Portal Two. Probably uh, critically the most important thing that Valve Soft ever ever made before they changed to. Uh, you know, just being a platform holder instead of actually making games. Uh, I finished Portal, you know, Portal's a super quick game, you can finish in three or four hours, uh, and I'm about halfway through Portal 2 now. Sylvie, how, how have you felt about these ports? They
1: feel solid, mm-hmm. like, they run really smoothly, I think they're 60 frames
0: per second, I couldn't tell. I, I Somebody asked me, and I was like, uh, don't ask me because uh, I'm not real observant about these kind of things, but my, <laughs> my instinct was it was 30 FPS.
1: It feels fluid, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't feel jittery, and those are arguably more important than a high frame rate, especially in a game like Portal, where you have to be constantly aware of your surroundings in 3D space. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, por- uh, a puzzle game about... Bending space to your advantage So if there's any jitters or anything like that That can really disorient you very quickly None of that in these ports They're very, very solid They've got gyro controls They do?
0: Oh I should turn those on They're in the settings <laughs> stuff by
1: default Okay but
0: It's a first-person game and you have a gun But it's not a shooter So you don't really need like the the twitch shooting that motion controls afford you but it is nice that it's there because i have the more the more i've played first person shooters on switch the more i've come to appreciate motion aiming so i might i might toggle those on as i finish out the rest of portal 2 in next week
1: yeah so should we talk about the story and setting first or the gameplay
0: uh probably the gameplay because i think that would be the easier thing to talk about (laughs) Probably. Because a Portal really builds itself... Both the Portal games really build itself on, on creating complexity from simple mechanics. Because you have your Portal gun that will fire two different kinds of portals. You can fire a blue portal and an orange portal. When they're both connected to a, a surface, and it can be a wall, or the floor, or the ceiling, they will connect to each other, and you have to jump through the portal to get to different locations, or to move objects between locations, or or in the best puzzles to manipulate physics, because if you get yourself moving really fast by falling a certain distance, when you come out the other portal on the other side, you will moment you will maintain that momentum, so you can literally throw yourself across rooms if you do things right. And they find lots of really cool ways to exploit these mechanics in both of the games.
1: Yeah, uh, it starts off very simple where... It doesn't give you the gun straight away. Mm -hmm. It really just gets your head around. These are two portals that are connected to each other and they don't look like they should be connected to each other. They're on opposite walls, perhaps. And when you walk through one, you come out the other one. It's really hard to describe the actual sensation of doing it in terms of, it makes sense to imagine, but in practice, it can get really confusing really quickly but it weans you into it in such a way that at first it doesn't give you any portals. It just gives you, it it makes the portals itself. And then it says, use that to, to figure it out. Then it lets you shoot one portal. One of them's fixed and you shoot a portal wherever you want to go through the other one that you can't manipulate just to, to make sure that you really understand it. And it gives you a couple of rooms like that before it finally gives you the portal gun that shoots, both portals so you're in control about where you go in or where you go out
0: yeah, and that's pretty much all portal does portal one but portal two introduces a lot of of new toys to play with without actually you know changing how you interact with the world there's still just the portal gun with the two different portal settings but it also introduces a lot more environmental factors you have to take into account especially the repulsion gel and the propulsion gel <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I can't wait to talk about the story and why they have really (laughs) obnoxious names. (laughs) But yeah, it's great because there's also like the, I can't remember the name of them, but the gravity tunnels. When you shoot a portal at the end of one, it kind of extends that tunnel through the other portal. Uh, And laser beams that you use to manipulate to open doors and activate switches and... But yeah, the gels are definitely the most memorable, especially because they really work it into the design language of the game. Because you will see orange and blue everywhere you go for weeks after you play these games.
0: Yeah, it's got a really strong color plot. There's orange and blue, which are things you use to solve puzzles. And then there's white, which is surfaces you can fire portals and gel onto. And then, then there's black, which is stuff that you cannot... Manipulate and you're basically It's like negative space You're you're kind of supposed to ignore that it exists In the puzzle solving process
1: I'm a huge Valve fan um, So that includes like Half-Life, Team Fortress 2 They've made a lot of good stuff That really narrows down Intuitive um, Level design and art direction Things that really improve your experience and understanding what does what and why and where without you realizing that you're being told these things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of the puzzles just kind of give you the pieces and you figure out yourself how to put it together it doesn't tell you the hint is the gameplay that you've already um
0: done But now the characters and the setting that all of this is built on and like, I'm sorry if some people are going to be rolling their eyes as we talk about this stuff because it's all, it's been talked about to death. Like Portal 1 was one of the original internet memes. So, uh, (laughs) we will avoid, uh, saying anything that will hopefully, you know, just make people want to roll their eyes into the back of their heads. But it's, it's, it's probably going to come up, uh, but anyway, uh, Portal just has GLaDOS who is your your guide through the Aperture Science Perpetual Testing Initiative, is that what it's called or is that just the co-op mode in, in Portal 2? I think that's Portal 2. T- the testing. Uh, the enrichment center.
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: is the story mode anyway. Uh, she starts off as just your guide, this kind of computerized voice who talks you through the different portal tests that you do, but becomes more and more apparent that there's something else going on here as you get further and further through the tests and until there's the twist in near near the end of the game and that then you go and and you do kind of a boss fights but you say twist but it's yeah. very much hinted
1: very early on if you're paying attention
0: at this point you know glados has become such a well-known video game character i don't think anybody is going to be uh (laughs) would even consider it a twist at this point uh but that's portal one now portal two uh really expands on things because portal one started as a student project it was called narbacular drop i think is how you pronounce it uh and you know glados and all that stuff was kind of worked into it after the fact it was built on top of just this really cool puzzle game they had now, Portal 2, they were able to build from the ground up, uh, and they really built out you know, Aperture Science and all the characters that are in it, especially uh, Wheatley, who is your new ally at the start of the game, and you meet the man, well, you, you don't meet him, but y- you encounter the man who is responsible for Aperture Science, Cave Johnson, who was a shower rod salesman who built portal technology completely by accident trying to design a better shower rod. <laughs> yeah,
2: who's wonderfully voiced by JK Simmons as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And and just just the opening moments of Portal 2. It's a 10-year-old game now, 10 plus years old. That opening moment still totally holds up. It's an incredibly impressive use of a physics engine
1: yeah well it's developed its own um technology in it where it's basically adding a camera to the other portal to make it look like it's going on forever Mm -hmm. it's hard to explain and it's probably not even that interesting to anyone but me but um One of the the best things that you can do in this game is just put one on the ceiling, one on the floor, and just fall for infinity. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, the the Cave Johnson stuff is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And the way it's presented, where you start off in the modern facility, events happen that place you in the facility from the 60s, which is just hidden, like, miles under the ground. And you, you go up to like the seventies and the eighties, and there's all these pre-recordings from Cave Johnson. The design language changes. It's got this very sixties looking logo. They all just look like different kinds of apertures, but the font choice, this is a graphic designer. I'm a big nerd for this stuff. (laughs) It's just so cool. Um, and it explains a bit of the backstory behind the player character, Chell, not a huge amount. It's not very explicitly stated there's a a main plot to the game but there's little things that kind of add depth to the mystery about your character and that's and her relationship to aperture science
0: yeah and just the way the characters are developed as you go through these different you know iterations of aperture science as it grew decade upon decade In, in the first game GLaDOS is just kind of this evil voice that taunts you and just makes fun of you and teases you and stuff but there's not a lot of depth there but when you get into Portal 2 and you spend a lot of time with GLaDOS and you find out more about her origins and what makes her what makes her work she becomes a much more layered character which really leads into the ending and you know how, your interpretation of what happens in that ending and and then there's Cave Johnson who kind of goes through the same thing even though he's he's just kind of this voice that does these rants over loudspeakers and he he has the kind of personality where he's the person who will pre-record rants and make his employees listen to them on loudspeakers but you do really get a better understanding of who he is and then there's Wheatley who also is very well performed by Stephen Merchant I mean all the voice actors in this game were just they do a great job and Wheatley um... goes on his own journey too (laughs)
2: I had the the opportunity to meet uh, GLaDOS Mm. um, Ellen McLean because she came to a convention here in the UK and she signed my um, Portal 2 copy and then she actually sang the songs on stage and um, it was really really cool and she's absolutely lovely and then you find out her husband is actually a sniper from Team Fortress. <laughs> yep. So it's like it was just really Yeah. The voice acting is like probably my the thing that I'm personally nerdy about for the Portal games because it's so well done. So so well done.
1: Yeah. It's so well written, it's so well performed. And it's just put together in this way that's so coherent. This is a facility that should not be it, it should it just shouldn't exist. There's ineptitude from top to bottom in Aperture Science but it still feels so believable because the way that they give it life is just so endearing I guess
0: yeah because on top of being you know incredibly well written and incredibly well performed it's also the most impressive thing it does it's incredibly funny I'm constantly laughing playing this game even though it's it's getting into some pretty dark humor places like (laughs) between just the quality of the puzzles the quality of the setting the quality of the story the production values i really i think portal 2 might be one of the new best games on switch i hadn't i hadn't realized that till we were sitting here talking about it but yeah i'm saying that now like this is one of the new like top tier switch games
1: yeah i i can't recommend it enough Portal. The original Portal is fantastic, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend starting with it. Especially because after you play Portal Two, it's hard going back to Portal.
0: <laughs> it, it, it does feel it's small. It feels small and simple, and
1: it was a Half Life mod. Yeah, a half like a Source Engine game. I mean, to the point where modders have actually managed to get Half Life Two running from this port of Portal because there's enough of it in there still. It's still a great game. It sets up the events of Portal Two not that lore and story are the most important parts of this it it really is about the characters and the setting mm.
0: but the gameplay of course so the companion collection is 20 bucks now uh US not 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 going to break your bank to get that and you you get two games for it uh which is a good deal but like Valve games frequently go on sale for deep discounts so probably not going to happen right away but I would not be at all surprised if in a couple years you can get this game for 75% off and I highly recommend you get it when that happens because Portal 2 is seriously it's one of the all-time greats and I'm just thrilled it's on Switch now
1: yeah if you somehow haven't played these already or even if you have and you just want to play it on the go these are fantastic ports of fantastic games and I really hope that Half Life is
2: next. <laughs> yeah,
0: I would vote for Left for Dead personally. Uh, I was never a huge Half Life fan, oh. but you know, if if these sell well enough, maybe Valve will do that. And because they've got the tools in place now for at least at least the games they made with Source to get ported, it could happen. I believe it now. Well, I believe
1: these came away about from the um, Steam Deck, so these are mm. originally Steam Deck ports mm. that they've downscaled a little bit for um, Switch.
0: Well, if you're a fan, fingers crossed, but please do not harass Gabe Newell, even (laughs) even if he he is not 100% the best person in the world still. Set the standard. (laughs) So what are we playing in the coming week? Rosalie, I'd start with you.
2: Yeah, I found this game on the eShop. I don't know how to pronounce it. Martian Forest? Mylene in the Forest? Is it? i do even it just it's a dungeon crawler it's got cute anime girls hmm. again that seems to be a, a thing with me it just looked like a really nice dungeon crawler which i quite like it's meant to be kind of inspired by all those games you see it altir it's like alchemy games and there's like hundreds of them oh like an I anime tell you yeah I, I tell yeah, you. yeah yeah it's meant yeah it's meant to be inspired by them um hmm. It might not be any good, but it looks cute. Uh,
0: I think I usually believe I've heard of every Switch game. I've never heard of this one, so I think
2: it, yeah. I think it was originally a PC game, and this mm. is like an updated version. But I read some reviews, and they said if you li- like that, it was pretty fun for an experience. And I got it on sale, so on sale, good reviews usually means a good time. So, cool. We shall see.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to be playing Torn of the Golden Country for the uh, standalone game-slash-expansion-slash-DLC for Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's complicated. We'll talk about that. Uh, Sylvia, are you playing anything? All of my friends have gotten
1: into Fortnite lately, so that's what my week has been spent on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'll be playing um, Three Hopes again, hopefully Mm -hmm. finish one path. We shall see. (laughs)
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular patron. The details for both things are on our website. Thank you! This episode was edited by Andrew and you can follow them at PlayCritically or you can check out their long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. You can also check out Sylvia at at S-T-W-T-W-O. Or at twitch.tv at Tory STW. Or you can check out me at Little Record Girl, that's LIL Record Girl. Thanks.
3: This was a triumph. Keep on trying until you run out of cake and the science gets done and you make a neat gun for the people who are still alive. I'm not even angry. I'm being so sincere right now. Even though you broke my heart And threw every piece into a fire As they burned it hurt Because I was so happy for you Now these points of data make a beautiful line And we're out of beta, we're releasing on time So I'm glad I got burned Think of all the things we've learned For the people who are still alive I've experiments to run, there is research to be done on the people who are still alive. And believe me, I am still alive.
2: And while you're dying, I'll
3: be still alive. I feel fantastic, and I'm still alive. And when you're dead, I will be still alive.
0: Say goodbye, Goodbye, Carolyn.
2: Goodbye, Carolyn. She is a gem.